I'm your host, Oscar, head of product at Exponential and also DeFi engine at the core. Um, Exponential DeFi is a platform where we want to bring more rationality to the space and make it more accessible to more types of investors. In DeFi Responsibly, we invite product builders and protocol builders to talk about their innovations, what makes their protocols unique, as well as uh, how they manage and mitigate risk. Today we have Rocket Bull, uh, the makers of our ETH, as our featured guests. Hey there, can you hear me? Yep. Hey, Maverick. I think what, what, what's fun about um, all of these conversations is that I always ask or start with uh, a rather personal question, which is how did you get started in DeFi? And when did you decide it was time to go all in? Sorry, just uh, trying to coordinate behind the scenes there. Um, I can certainly answer that question for myself. So my involvement with DeFi is... Um, a lot shorter than um, the age of rocket pool, which I think for most people in, in protocols in this space is a little bit unusual. Um, rocket pool being around since 2016 and ICOing in 2017. And for me, um, a lot more recently, um, from a kind of passive involvement around 2019 or so uh, to kind of following a bit of a slippery slope to the point where I am now. Um, doing uh, marketing for Robert Paul uh, that was as of last year about nine or so months ago uh, I suppose that's at that point you could consider I was uh, um, fully uh, <laughs> fully transformed to um, degening responsibly yeah um, but it certainly is a very interesting time to get involved with Rocket Paul or probably any protocol in the liquid staking space I would say there's been a lot of attention uh, since I think it was New Year's Day that for whatever reason everything seemed to kick off and coming into the Shanghai upgrade. Um, yeah, I don't think that's going to slow down. Yeah, so re relatively more recent uh, than maybe a lot of us are here, but still, you know, it's an, it's definitely one of the hottest spaces. Probably in the last six months. All the all the space of liquid staking, and you know the the race to to gain more stake staked ETH into the system, so definitely hot space. Darren Darren just joined. Let's see if he can connect this time. Yeah, our view at Rockapool is that uh, right now the amount of ETH at stake is relatively low. It may not grow to be as big as on some other chains, but we still see huge potential in terms of the size of the pie growing, so to speak. Um, there are a lot of protocols out there, and we believe that um, the best thing for Ethereum is to have a number of decentralized and permissionless staking protocols um, where the amount of ETH at stake can be split across them. But regardless, uh, we think Shanghai will be... Uh, an important milestone and we'll likely see uh, some inflows in terms of uh, ETH being staked by people who, for whatever reason, um, may not have been willing to commit before there was kind of a, a clear path to that ETH being able to be withdrawn. Yeah, definitely. I, I think with the upcoming uh, Shanghai Capella updates, that will inspire or motivate more people to stake their ETH now that it becomes a two-way or rather than a one-way or with 
unclear and indefinite timeline as it was even up to as as late as last year. So, but before we we jump into the details, I think we can start by uh, a quick explain like we're five. One is Rocket Pool, and what what is the problem that you're solving? Sounds good. I can probably take that one. Uh, so, as of today, Rocket Pool is the only permissionless liquid staking protocol. Uh, at least we're talking about Ethereum here. Yeah. So. By permissionless, what that means is anyone can be a node operator. Anyone can help to secure the Ethereum blockchain. Um, for many liquid staking protocols, that is not an option. Um, a lot of them out there restrict the ability to participate as a node operator um, to only large corporations or people that they decide and deem worthy to participate. Um, at Rocket Pool, we try to put decentralization, decentralization at number one as much as possible. Uh, part of that is the reason why it's taken uh, a little while for for uh, for Rocket Pool to, to launch, um, despite as I said before, um, kind of tracing roots back to 2016, uh, doing an ICO in 2017. The protocol only launched to mainnet in late 2021, so um, 18 or so months ago. The problem that we're trying to solve is the fact that outside of Rocket Pool, the only way to participate in Ethereum um, validation, node operation, is if you have 32 ETH. And that is um, quite a high barrier to entry. Even if someone does have 32 ETH, um, are they willing to lock it up uh, without um, a certain path towards withdrawals? Maybe not. Um, for other people, it may be a large portion of their crypto portfolio to commit to one certain area. Um, it might not be prudent risk management for them. And yeah. then for a lot of people, they just don't have 32 ETH because even today, it's still uh, a lot of money. Um, so Rocket Pool makes this um, whole process a lot more accessible. I suppose it's worth clarifying. When we talk about node operation, it is technically uh, possible to operate an Ethereum node without committing any ETH. Um, but in order to earn a reward on staked ETH, obviously you have to stake it. And um, for every 32 ETH, uh, that's what we call one validator. So that is the, the minimum requirement, 32 ETH, to earn return on staked ETH. So with Rocket Pool, um, there are two options. If you are comfortable with running a node, um, you don't have to contribute six, uh, 32 ETH. At right now, um, we help to halve that requirement to just 16. And um, later on, likely next month, there'll be a, few, a further protocol update that reduces that requirement to just 8 ETH. Um, there is another uh, component with our RPL token that we can perhaps talk about later on. But in terms of the Ethereum requirement, um, lowering that barrier to entry, making it a lot easier for people to participate in securing the Ethereum network. That's um, that's a problem that we help to solve. And there's one other aspect, which is the technical requirements. Um, not necessarily so easy uh, to do if you don't have a technical background. Um, a node is a piece of hardware uh, that you have in your home. 
Uh, you need to have it connected to an internet connection. You need to have a relatively reliable electricity supply. Um, and you need to perform periodic updates to keep this hardware running. Um, it has to run certain software to secure the Ethereum network. Um, Rocket Pool helps to um, remove some of that complexity with yep. a software package. So less ETH required, making the process easier. And as of today, we are the only protocol that will let anyone in the world, wherever they are, um, run a node. So that's what we're doing. And um, it's a pretty exciting time with um, not only the Shanghai upgrade coming up, uh, but also, as I mentioned, this protocol upgrade that will yep. reduce the, the ETH requirement to just eight. So we're pretty excited about that in particular. Um, and just from the time that the team spent at ETH Denver, along with uh, over 50 amazing volunteers from our community of uh, node operators and liquid stakers, there's a lot of interest in terms of people wanting to um, help to secure the Ethereum network with Rocket Pool. That eight ETH requirement um, suddenly is... Uh, uh, very achievable for a lot of people. Interesting. So let, let, let's recap some of the things that you just mentioned. I think on the one hand, you can stake your ETH directly with the protocol, and that's fully permissionless. But you have some high requirements. Specifically, you need 32 ETH, and you need most likely a fully, fully dedicated person to operate all your infrastructure to make sure that you're now with this running 24-7 and making the most out of out of that staked capital that you have there. And that's not really for everyone, even if you have the capital. Then you have the the other staking pools, uh, like the like Lido or Coinbase, that are permissioned. So they need to approve you as a as a validator, as an operator, for you to participate with their staking pools and get access to uh, to those staking block rewards. And then there is a third option, which is a rocket pool way in which just with 16 ETH and in the future only 8 ETH, you stake the capital, you integrate at a software level, and then you can start uh, start validating and getting access to those staking, staking rewards. Is that correct? Yeah, that's the one. So not only does running a node it does validating help to secure um, ethereum the rewards are also pretty good and in most cases um, higher than uh, participating as a liquid staker certainly within rocket pool um, the return for running a node um, just in terms of the eth rewards that you would receive uh, for a given amount of eth that you deposit um, is going to be higher if you commit to running a node um, than liquid staking Although, on the other hand, there are some benefits and advantages um, to participating as a liquid staker. Um, me, for myself, uh, and perhaps relevant um, based on the start of this call, uh, <laughs> internet connection maybe not so great down here in New Zealand. Um, also travel around a bit. I don't currently operate a node, um, but I do yeah. liquid stake. And for me, the, yeah. the flexibility um, is a benefit. And at the end of the day, um, the way that at least rocket pool operates we need both node operators and liquid stakers there's kind of two parts of the protocol and ideally they need to be in balance as much as possible so um, it's up to everyone to have a bit of a think and figure out which is best for them um, 
we have people in our community who don't have a technical background and have been able to launch and uh, keep a node running. There's heaps of documentation, heaps of support in the Rocket Pool Discord. And if you're willing to put a little bit of time into it, uh, it is really achievable for anyone. And at the end of the day, the time that you're investing is really, most of it is going into learning more about Ethereum, right? So that's got to be a good thing. Um, increasing your knowledge about uh, Ethereum, about crypto, um, that's that's a big plus. But at the same time, people may want to simply um, do a token swap and all of a sudden your liquid staking, very easy to do, very flexible. Um, there's certainly benefits to both sides. Yeah, so you, you bring up a really good point, which is on the one hand, you have the, um, the stakers. On the other hand, you have the liquid stakers, which are in a way providing their ETH, uh, I guess, as a complement to their existing ETH that the other providers are, the other um, node operators are staking. So what what happens when, you know, there's not enough demand or not enough supply for, you know, for any of any of the sides of the equation? Because you, you need both at the end of the day. Yeah, that's a good point. So maybe the easy way to start off is by looking at um, a permissioned liquid staking protocol, like some of those examples you mentioned previously. So in that case, the node operators um, essentially operate like, I suppose, a, an IT company in that they don't stake any of their own Ethereum. Um, they don't have any of their capital at stake. All they're doing is they're running the hardware, um, keeping it online, and then when deposits come in from liquid stakers, um, those ETH deposits are kind of assigned in batches of 32 ETH to become validators. So um, in this situation, the liquid stakers depositing their ETH, they're trusting the node operators to behave, um, to perform, and to keep the nodes running. Because at the end of the day, if there is... Um, a mistake, an error, um, glitch in the matrix, whatever you want to call it, a storm takes out a power grid or an internet service provider goes down, um, the node operator um, is kind of off the hook because they don't have any of their ETH that's uh, going to get penalized. It's it's the liquid stakers who will, who will have to um, uh, bear the brunt of any penalty. But for Rocket Pool, it's a little different. So right now, there's a, a requirement for the node operator to contribute 16 ETH. So while um, there are some higher returns, those returns come with a risk in that um, if, for whatever reason, a node operator fails to keep their node online, um, they may incur some small penalties. Most of the time, uh, these penalties are quite small. You may have heard of slashing um, and uh, have some idea of uh, your safety being um, cut down quite drastically, but this is almost always never the case. Uh, for example, if, uh, if a node is offline for a week or so, um, once it's back online, you can probably earn back the penalties uh, with a week of being online. So relatively small, but in extreme cases, uh, it could add up. So the node operator's 16E that they put up as collateral, that will get um, drawn down from first in the case of penalties being applied. So because yep. the node operator has to put up this ETH, um, 
you could say that there is a limited number of people willing to A, launch a node, and B, have ETH that they're also willing to stake. The permissioned uh, protocol, by comparison, can scale infinitely because all they need to do is um, have additional nodes that they launch, um, yep. and then a steady stream of deposits comes in. But for Rocket Pool, um, there's kind of those two sides of the equation that we talked about. One being a node operator, they have to contribute ETH, one being the liquid staker. If there is um, more demand on one side than the other, um, then the protocol can't match up those two halves. So right now, um, there's quite a lot of demand for liquid staking. So, so much so that um, the RETH token, it actually trades at a price premium on secondary markets because of the yep. constraint. Um, once more node operators are willing to, to launch validators, um, that, that, uh, that imbalance, so to speak, may shift back the other way. So we're expecting uh, the combination of Atlas, which will increase the capital efficiency of the node operators, only requiring them to put up 8 ETH instead of 16, and yep. the ability for uh, existing solo node operators to migrate across to Rocket Pool. Um, we expect that to result in a quite significant influx of node operators. Um, at that point, we may see um, everyone wants to run a node, but uh, how many people want to deposit ETH as liquid stakers? Um, it's an inter interesting dynamic, and it's one that's unique to um, a permissionless, uh, permissionless and decentralized protocol like Rocket Pool. Um, but we're pretty confident that, uh, yeah, the events of hopefully next month will result in uh, quite significant growth. Um, yeah, it's a very, very interesting time. We're, we're really looking forward to it. The, uh, the protocol upgrade is uh, looking pretty good. We've done a couple round of audits and there's a community town hall coming up in a couple of days. Um, actually, tomorrow, uh, we will discuss this right. in detail. Yeah, I mean, you also bring uh, a good point, which is about audits. Rocketball is one of the most audited protocols that that, that we are tracking. You know, we're, we count at least six audits in the last year and a half, two years maybe. Um, so, you know, that's something to to applaud to the team. There, there's strong emphasis on fund and infrastructure security, especially when so much capital is at stake, literal at stake. Yeah, it's definitely a, a key a key part. Um, I'm not sure what it is right now, but Rocket Pool's TVL did hit uh, one billion recently, um, and yeah, I think um, protocol that kind of displays um, relevant security information in a in a really easy to understand way, like like you guys do, is um, it's pretty important to highlighting. Um, what market, some market participants may struggle to find, or even if they do find, may not fully understand. Um, some of these protocols are quite complex. <laughs> Football yeah. is, uh, is one of them. Um, you can probably see that um, by looking at other protocols who have uh, attempted or intended to um, become or launch as permissionless uh, staking protocols. It's uh, kind of easier said than done. Part of that is due to the complexity and um yeah having a way to explain all of that in um very simple language i think is quite valuable yeah thank you in fact uh dowie uh 
also also here in this conversation is the is the giga brain behind a lot of those reports. You know, I, I can invite him to speak uh, a bit later on. Um, but let, let's move on with with the conversation as well. Um, you, you mentioned that you expect some of the solo node operators to move to Rocket Pool. Um, what would be one of the advantages of moving from being a solo node operator to Rocket Pool, for instance? There are a couple of things that come to mind. I think, first of all, uh, to give some context, it was um, possible to start um, operating a node solo, so to speak, with 32 ETH before Rocket Pool launched. So um, I kind of mentioned that Rocket Pool has been around since 2016, um, only launched to mainnet relatively recently. So kind of that gap in between, um, a lot of people who wanted to help uh, participate in Ethereum's proof of stake yeah. The only option was to launch a node themselves. They didn't have um, Rocket Pool as an option back then. Um, and of course, because the ETH that they've staked can't be withdrawn yet, um, they were kind of stuck into that choice, right? Uh, and it's only with Shanghai that um, there's an opportunity to withdraw that ETH and move to Rocket Pool instead. Yeah. Um, also important to note that uh, technically it's not a withdrawal of the ETH, or at least... Um, the node operator won't have to go through what we call the withdrawal queue and instead they can kind of uh, quite seamlessly migrate across to rocket pool so there are a few uh, different reasons why someone might want to do this um, perhaps the most significant although it's not the only reason um, is the increased yield so because um, operating a node solo with 32 ETH there's no liquid staking component um, this means that uh, the node operator is just receiving rewards, um, kind of the, the base Ethereum protocol rewards. But with RocketPool, um, if you had 32 ETH uh, in a single validator, you could instead split that into four of uh, these new validators, each with eight ETH. And then of these four validators, you would get 24 uh, liquid staking deposits, 24 ETH worth of liquid staking deposits. So that's almost 100 ETH, um, if I've done my maths correct, uh, 96 yeah. ETH, uh, they got earning commission on. So you still have with 32 ETH staked, earning return, but um, now all of a sudden you have 96 ETH of liquid staking deposits you're earning a commission on. So one of our community members um, ran, uh, did a bit of quick maths, and they came out to around 42% higher return in ETH terms um, of moving to Rocket Pool. Um, yeah, but like, guaranteed average, but but yeah, um, quite a, a significant boost. You're talking about almost almost fifty percent more. Um, that would certainly entice some people to move over. Um, there are some other benefits too. So it's not just all about the return. Um, one thing that uh, Rocket Pool does provide uh, is what we call the smoothing pool, and so in times where there's a lot of activity on the Ethereum blockchain. Um, there's been a few examples recently, whether that's um, some crisis or, um, it, on the other hand, it could be uh, an NFT mint. Sometimes uh, there's a spike in activity, um, gas goes up quite a lot. It's possible for um, the node operators to earn additional rewards a little bit more than they usually would. Um, there's a few different names for this kind of return. You may have heard of it of it uh, referred to as NEV or MEV. 
um, tips that um, uh, may be paid to expedite transactions because you need to get in there quickly before other people. Um, yep. And this is a bit of a lottery. Another term that you may have heard is a lottery block. Um, for whatever reason, some blocks uh, in the blockchain, they pay out higher rewards than others. So you might be lucky, you might be unlucky. As a node operator, um, your job is to secure the blockchain. Maybe you're, you're lucky and you hit one of these um, uh, so-called lottery blocks and you get yep. a significant payout. You know, sometimes this is two ETH, four ETH. It could be more ETH than you have staked. Uh, some of them are very large indeed, <laughs> albeit very rare. So Rocket Pool um, introduced uh, the smoothing pool that I mentioned. And essentially, it's a way to, um, if you opt in, join the so-called smoothing pool, all of these uh, tips, this MEV that you earn is pulled in one location. And at the end of each period, it's divided up equally between the occupants. So uh, between the participants, sorry. Uh, essentially, what you're doing is you're converting um, a chance at a higher return. And in return, you receive um, a lower, albeit more consistent payout. So for some people, that might be preferable. Uh, certainly, if you're looking to um, forecast your return into the future, uh, probably a more reliable return. Um, Again, another one of our community members, they ran some analysis, um, quite a thorough uh, paper on the, the probabilities. And for most participants, it ends up being um, a positive outcome. So that's another reason why people might want to move across to Rocket Pool. Uh, a third reason is um, the LSD space, or as we now call it, LST, um, <laughs> D for derivative, which is now a bit of a, a dirty word. Um, yeah, for, for no reason. A token, liquid staking token. Um, right now, uh, the liquid staking token space is um, is a bit more centralized, uh, or it's quite centralized, in fact, compared yeah. to um, ETH staking as a whole. So, to a certain extent, um, a solo node operator moving across to Rocket Pool, they facilitate some ARIs um, being minted. They're facilitating a decentralized liquid staking token. You could perhaps make a point that that is in some way um, supporting decentralization there. Although at the same time, it is important still that there are some um, node operators running uh, 32 ETH solo nodes separate of any protocol, completely agnostic. Um, yeah. And some rocket point over operators choose to do that. Um, they do both. Or uh, we have... Uh, some people who are right now running a solo node, but they want to keep that running and maybe they'll launch a rocket pool one as well. Um, all sorts of options and Shanghai withdrawals that will um, make this a lot more accessible to a lot of people. Yeah, what, I, what I'm starting to take away is that um, for letting stake to the network is such a valuable, um, such a valuable commodity that anyone should be able to do it. Now, in the current world, or in the world without Rocket Pool, you need to be permissioned by any of these big centralized actors to do it. But now, with Rocket Pool, with you know, with half as much ETH, you can start staking, and in the future, you only need a quarter of the minimum required, which is thirty-two ETH, to start validating. And it's not only about uh, the permissionless side, but also you have much better returns um, because of this smoothing function. And this operational leverage that you have by only providing half as much ETH 
with a similar return profile. Also, you gain liquidity in your staked uh, capital through our ETH. And so you, you lose, if you stake solo, you have a big opportunity cost, which is 32 ETH permanently frozen in the system. Whereas with Rocketball ETH or our ETH, you get access to that liquidity and you can do something else with that capital. Maybe you can borrow against it or you can farm uh, something else using the token in a, in a DEX or any other protocol that accepts our ETH. And so there are multiple advantages, but at the same time, the staking spectrum, yeah, the, dif the difficulty spectrum is so wide. It can be as, as easy as just swapping your ETH for our ETH and automatically you're participating in, in the network, or it can be as complicated as running your own nodes as a solo node operator and everything in between. So there's, there's something for everyone. Not everyone has to agree on what is the correct way, but certainly if you're looking to maximize capital and don't trade off liquidity or opportunity cost, Rocket Bull can be a great option for you if you want to uh, participate in the network as an operator. It is an interesting point that you bring up in terms of the opportunity cost, because um, this is sometimes mentioned um, in the context of, does it make sense to run a node? Because um, while the initial return that you receive, uh, as I mentioned before, is higher if you're running a node compared to liquid staking, um, a liquid staker can then go and use, as you said, um, their RE token or, or their other liquid staking token um, elsewhere in the ecosystem within DeFi. Um, Hyperstaking is one example uh, of yeah. how um, you can degen somewhat responsibly, I guess, uh, with a liquid staking <laughs> token. Uh, yeah. Essentially, the way that works is um, if you hold RE, say it's paying out 4%, uh, kind of a long-term average return, um, yeah. what you could do is um, you could go and use that as collateral. Uh, in the lending protocol, and you could borrow ETH against it. Usually, the the rate that you would pay to borrow ETH is quite low. Say it's just two percent. Well, then what you could do is you could take that ETH and you could stake it and get more RES, and then you could take that RES back to the protocol and say, "Hey, I've got some more RES. Can I borrow, can I use it again as collateral and create a loop in that way?" Um, so long as the price of the liquid staking token stays um where it, where it should or, or higher um there's a lot to more the, the re returns and the costs remain where they are um it's a way of kind of using DeFi to leverage along a position um obviously you know the word leverage that comes with a whole lot of risks so it's up to everyone to decide yeah, yeah. whether yeah. uh that well, right, of course or not. <laughs> yeah um but yeah, there is that thing to take into account. Some people may not um, wish to uh, incur that additional risk. Um, they may not want to uh, have to kind of look after their positions and monitor them. Um, I've been told by members of our community that running a node is relatively passive. Um, you can kind of set it and forget it. And in, in many cases, uh, more of kind of a, a passive activity compared to perhaps chasing around yields on, on DeFi exposing yourself to liquidation risk, additional smart contract risk, um, Oracle risk and the like. Uh, so yeah, options for everyone. There's no perfect answer. Um, certainly when it comes to liquid staking versus node operation, Rocket Pool needs both sides to function properly. 
So um, to a certain extent, they're just as important as each other. And also um, at Rockerpool, we believe that we need multiple protocols to participate in liquid staking. Um, as a result, the, the Rockerpool team and then the Rocketpool protocol DAO, they're both in alignment uh, that Rocketpool should start to self-limit a rate of growth. Um, right now, we're relatively small, but um, in the future, should, uh, should that change, we don't want to pose a risk to uh, the ecosystem. And at least one other protocol uh, has kind of um, also gone down uh, that path of, of indicating that they agree yeah, to self-limit. Yeah. So um, we we really want to see other liquid staking protocols working towards becoming as decentralized as possible, um, permissionless, enabling anyone to run a node because it can't just be Rocketpool as the, as the only option that's uh, not healthy for, for anyone really at all. Yeah, and, and when it comes to staking, the more the merrier. Uh, what we want is a fully decentralized network when where not any single party can get full uh, full access of the network or even break that one third, two thirds consensus, um, you know, um, guardrails. And so, in, in a way, the more protocol self governance, that's a net, it's a net win for everyone that participates in the Ethereum ecosystem. So that that's also, you know, quite commendable that you're thinking already ahead as to how will will you limit your staking power in a way. At the same time, uh, Dawi, I think you have a question. You know, free to shoot. Thanks, Oscar. Um, uh, Maverick just had a question. More so around the the governance process for Rocket DAO, um, you know, it's, a, it's a pretty unique structure where you have a dual DAO structure, one with the protocol DAO and one Oracle DAO. Just wanted to get a, uh, a hopefully a, a clearer picture of what permissions are granted to each of those DAOs and, and what they're responsible for as as part of the overall ecosystem. Sure, I think this is the part where. Uh... We ideally want Langers up on the stage, but I'll, I'll give it a shot. So the difference between these two DAOs is, first of all, the protocol DAO is comprised of node operators. So simply holding the RPL token uh, is not enough to grant governance rights. Um, it has to be staked as part of a node. What this allows is um, the node operator then to act in the protocol DAO. So the protocol DAO, um, or PDAO as we like to call it, um, the main role is to kind of signal towards um, the team and to direct the future of um, of the protocol. So while uh, compared to other protocols and perhaps considering the age of Rocketpool, um, the protocol DAO is relatively in its infancy. There's already been a couple of quite important um, governance votes which have changed uh, or reinforced the certain course of uh, where Rocketpool is heading. Um, one being, for example, the vote to agree in principle to a self-limiting framework. Um, another one a little while ago being a vote to um, set up how uh, certain um, rewards are paid out to node operators within the protocol. Um, so in this sense, um, the protocol DAO plays a pretty big role in, in directing where Rocketpool should head um, because it's essentially the voice of the node operators themselves. 
there are two uh, main subcomponents or subcommittees to this DAO. Um, one is what we call the IMC or the Incentive Management Committee. Um, that was initiated or kind of got off the ground first, uh, sooner, the sooner of the two subcommittees. Um, as the name suggests, uh, the IMC is responsible for directing um, token incentives to promote liquidity for RE, the liquid staking token. Um, so they've done a great job in helping to um, boost the liquidity, which especially prior to Shanghai, prior to withdrawals, is very important because um, liquidity is essentially the ability to buy and sell our ETH on secondary markets. And for a liquid staking token to be liquid, you obviously need some liquidity. Um, that's one area where uh, the DAO has um, really kind of taken up that task and executed it uh, uh, independently completely from, from the team. So uh, to be honest, we don't have a lot of time to focus on the liquidity side of things. Um, DAO is uh, undertaking a, a, an excellent role here. Um, the second part is the GMC. So this stands for the Grants and Bounties Management Committee. Um, they also are able to direct some um, token rewards for paying out on grants and bounties, anything that kind of assists with the protocol development. Um, there's been one round so far. Uh, that was back in January, I believe. Um, part of it was a retrospective uh, payment as well for work carried out in the past. In a sense, um, the GMC can kind of act as an extension of the team in terms of uh, helping to incentivize um, and to reward uh, actions that help to grow the Rockerpool protocol. So with only six core team members, um, just like the IMC, the GMC has already been doing a great job helping to reward and to facilitate um, people working on Rockerpool. Um, so to jump across to the Oracle DAO uh, network, slightly different. The Oracle DAO's main role is to perform, as the name suggests, Oracle duties. So um, you may be aware of Chainlink, probably the, the household name when it comes to Oracles. Um, due to current limitations in the way that Ethereum works, um, the way that smart contracts work, the way that data can be moved around, um, a liquid staking uh, protocol like RocketPool requires um, DAO services um, to, oh, sorry, uh, requires Oracle services to ensure that information can be uh, moved around and calculation performed so that the, uh, the, the protocol continues to work. Um, so this is a group of entities um, largely well-known within the industry um, listed on the Rocketpool homepage. I believe we're up to 15 or, or 16 now. Um, and to, I guess the best way to describe them is um, these are the people who are helping to build Ethereum. So obviously you have the Ethereum Foundation, um, the researchers, the developers, but outside of that, um, we have, for example, um, the client teams uh, who are building the, the software that enables people to run nodes. Um, Gitcoin, which you may have heard of, um, was recently voted on to join the Oracle DAO. Um, and the Oracle DAO forms also uh, an important um, security role in terms of, uh, I guess, another line of checking a line of defense um, to any uh, upgrades that are made to the Rocketpool protocol. So um, while uh, some of the team engineers may submit um, 
proposal to, to update the protocol, such as with this um, latest Atlas update I mentioned, um, that still needs to go past a check from the Oracle DAO. So they will um, review the update and vote on whether it should proceed or not, uh, taking direction from the protocol DAO um, to, to make their call. So two kind of quite different parts, um, but they are both needed to work together to, um, to make sure Oops, sorry. Uh, go go ahead, oh. Rick. Yeah. Sorry, can you hear me again? Yeah, there you go. We're okay. yeah. Um, yeah, Dave, I found, has been working to expand the Oracle DAO network. Like I kind of mentioned uh, before that Gitcoin has been voted on. I think there's going to be a vote soon about um, Coinbase Ventures, uh, which is an interesting development. Um, they're likely to, um, if the vote passes, join the Oracle DAO too. So the idea is to get... Uh, a large variety of um, of entities or people of companies, um, different geographic locations, jurisdictions, um, different roles within the Ethereum ecosystem. Really, just like a cross section of everyone um, who is committed to building Ethereum, and um, they provide that important role by keeping Rocket Pool operational. Yeah, that it's, it's a turn interesting design because it it reminded me of like a two-body system, like with a lower chamber and a higher chamber, or Congress and Senate, where you have the protocol DAO that is a beating heart of the protocol operations, and on the other hand, you have all the major players in the ecosystem uh, chipping in with governance and yes, and in a way, both are uh, both serve and checks as, as checks and balances on each other, so quite an interesting design to, to governance. Yeah, that's the um, that's that's the main idea, really. Um, in the future, it may be possible to perform some of these tasks, um, the Oracle DAO tasks, in a more automated manner. Yep. Um, there's some research being undertaken right now, um, both um, by the Protocol DAO via that um, GMC, that Grants and Bounties Management Committee that I mentioned before. They've funded some research into it, um, and also the team is looking into some options. Uh, I believe there were there was at least one um, interesting development during Ethimba. Uh, um, I think that was Langers, maybe one of our um, our engineers. Uh, we're, we're talking about uh, some some new technology that could help to even further decentralize some of these um, some of these tasks that the Oracle DAO network performs. So it's always something that's in the front of our minds, uh, even back to twenty sixteen, right when Rocket was founded. Um, the whole goal has been to be as decentralized as possible from day one. Uh, and that is part of the reason why the launch domain net was, um, was delayed. It was so late. Um, Dave and, and co were making sure that when they did launch, um, that the protocol was designed in such a way, um, that we could remove as much trust from the situation as possible. Um, instead of kind of starting out as a permissioned, uh, service and then over time moving towards one that's decentralized uh, that's a path that a lot of other protocols right now are attempting to take and um yeah it seems to be uh not not so easy so um certainly wish them all the best but um we feel that kind of starting out with that mindset from day one is the way to go where possible 
Yeah, that's that's a vision statement, and again, quite commendable that your all of your actions are geared towards that. Um, we're also running out of time. We have a few minutes left. I think the last question that I have for um, uh, for you guys, um, Langers, feel free to re reply in, uh, on the tweets. Is right now there's roughly 14, 15 percent of ETH staked. What would be your best guess for that number in? five years is that going to be 30 percent, or maybe like other networks that have 70 80 percent of their native uh currency staked what would be your vision or goal this is uh this is a very interesting question so first of all um we believe that the future to kind of growth for robert paul and for other staking protocols is to grow the entire pie as large as possible rather than kind of um, squabble over, over market share, although that will no doubt still be a factor. Um, exactly. As you've said, um, or indicated, there is a lot of room to grow. There's uh, a lot more ETH that could be staked. I would say um, one thing that really sticks out to me, uh, I've seen various comparisons with other proof-of-stake chains, is that um, ETH is actually quite useful. Uh, you can do a lot of things with it. Um, yeah. On other proof-of-stake chains, uh, Staking is kind of the default because, um, well, what else are you going to do? Um, Good point. And, you know, that's not necessarily a discouragement. It's just kind of how it is. And on the flip side, you can say that um, for Ethereum, we are quite new to proof of stake, right? There's been other chains out there operating on a proof of stake uh, system for much longer than Ethereum. And so, yeah. So in that sense, we're trying to figure out what this whole staking thing is about. Um, it's actually quite interesting the number of people uh, who I know, who I talk to, or have talked to at ETH Denver, for example, um, who say they're involved in the Ethereum ecosystem, and they are. Um, they don't really know how staking works. They certainly don't know what is happening with ETH withdrawals with Shanghai. Um, they may have understood the merge, probably not. Uh, so I think, um, and Rocket Paul could play a part here too, there's a lot more education that needs to be done um, about um, what ETH staking means. Yeah. Um, it will likely go higher. Uh, liquid staking also provides an opportunity for people to stake but still retain utility and use of uh, of, of their ETH. Uh, so that's an option. Um, to directly answer your question, I would say it's not going to get as high as other protocols. Um, would it get to 50%? I feel like maybe a around there. Um, at the same time, five years... <laughs> That's a, it's a long way away. Uh, yeah. The, certainly in this industry, like a week feels like a month and a month feels like a year. Um, I know. I, I would <laughs> be very com uh, com confident with, with that answer. Um, but I would say, yeah, not as much as some others, but there's a lot of growth still to come. Um, some of the growth may be from specific sectors. Um, we're looking at institutions, for example, as one area where there's uh, quite significant growth potential. Um, Right now, not being able to withdraw ETH, uh, it makes it hard to, uh, to yeah, as, that case. Yeah, as an investment opportunity, right, in terms of compliance and risk management. But once that right. is out of the way, uh, we may see um, some funds, uh, some financial entities um, dumping a lot of ETH through the proof of stake system. So that will be interesting to watch happen. Um, yeah, I think the next couple, two, three months are going to be... Uh, quite a significant shift in terms of the uh, staking environments for, for ETH. 
Yeah, definitely. I and I also personally believe that uh, when it comes to institutions, ETH is probably one of the only assets that generates a net positive return or net of inflation that with no risk of default of counterparty default. So that's certainly something that has to spark some brains in these boardrooms as to how they can diversify risk and diversify portfolios. You know, what better way than with an asset with no counterparty risk of default? So let's see how high that number gets. Um, we're four minutes left. Uh, also want to open up the microphone if anyone has questions for Rocket Bull or for uh, Dali and myself on the exponential side. While we're waiting for that, I'll just quickly say that um, we're looking past this Atlas upgrade to what we could do later on and whether there's any um, potential to um, to push an upgrade to Rocket Pool that will kind of make it easier for some of these um, institutions to to run nodes with Rocket Pool. Um, again, going back to that risk management and, and compliance side, um, maybe liquid staking or maybe running a, a, a solo node is is the preferred choice for some institutions, but we want to make sure that Rocket Pool remains uh, uh, a viable option. Um, at the end of the day, we are fully permissionless, and we want to see um, the like complete cross section of of the industry uh, involved with Rocket Pool when it comes to um, larger institutions, people at home with uh, just one eight ETH validator. Um, yep. they're all important. It's important that everyone kind of plays their part. Um, so yeah, the institutional space is one that's, uh, quite interesting for sure. All right. Seems, seems no questions. I mean, th this was, uh, that means your explanation was pretty clear Maverick. Uh, again, thanks for, um, jumping in, um, at the last minute at the 11th hour. Also again, thanks Darren for, for the time. Um, I think this wraps it up. Again, thank you for your time. Hey, thanks for hosting. Uh, it was a great chat, and thanks to everyone listening in. Hopefully everyone uh, learned something. If you do have maybe more questions and answers after what I've said, there will certainly <laughs> be someone in the um, Rocket Pool Discord um, ready to help you out. Um, but yeah, thanks again, guys. Uh, great chat. Thank you. Thanks, everyone.